Hi, and welcome to Six Questions with Sedek. I'm your host, Cameron Carell. Today's guest is Jen Alger. Jen joined the Greater Clark Foundation as the president and CEO in the spring of 2012. Throughout her career, she has sought to live her ambition to create high-performing organizations and communities through her leadership roles within local government, not-for-profit, and for-profit organizations. We're so excited to have Jen join us on the podcast and talk about ways that they've had to pivot during COVID and what's inspiring her. Well, welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. First off, can you tell us a little bit about how you got where we are now? Um, Well, I'm Jen Allgaier, and I'm president and CEO of the Greater Clark Foundation, which is uh, an endowed foundation that focuses on making the Greater Clark region more vibrant and resilient. I had an interesting career path that had me spending time both in um, local government, nonprofit organizations, hospitals and health systems, and private industry, uh, along with philanthropy. And I think just the my the convergence of all of this different type of experience that I had put me in the right place at the right time when the Greater Clark Foundation was looking for its first president and CEO. And so I ended up here because I knew how to, I knew how to deal with cost reports, how to create a foundation and real estate management kind of all at the same time. <laughs> so lucky me. <laughs> That's a unique skill set. It's a very random, randomly assorted skill set, and that's probably just the tip of the iceberg, ironically. (laughs) How can residents in Clark County continue to support your organization? Well, since part of the role of the Greater Clark Foundation is really to lift up and support our community, one of the best ways people can support our organization is actually by supporting all of the other nonprofit organizations that are serving in the community. There are so many so many organizations and individuals who are on the front lines every day working without any kind of recognition or reward. And I think the more that we can support those organizations and those leaders in the community, the better off all of us will be. Furthermore, I would say recognizing that everyone in our communities is under stress of some kind right now, that we all have this heightened um, heightened sensitivity to stress. So I think just extending grace to as many people as possible during this time kind of keeps the temperature down and really helps all of us make better decisions in the long run. It's been interesting talking to several other nonprofits and seeing how they're having to pivot and how they're being supported by the community. And it's been very encouraging to see that they have received a lot of support, but that that support um, doesn't stop anytime soon. I actually think the long, I mean, you know, Pandemics are not flash in the pan experiences. And I think that's been one of the really hard things for a lot of folks is that Americans in general, I think have very short attention spans. And so um, the duration of this causes a lot of fatigue. So for our nonprofits, they got a lot of support and a lot of love right at the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis. But when they're gonna really need us is after we've been at this for nine or 12 months, and it's not, it's not exciting to anyone anymore. And people really, and we can see the fatigue setting in now. So I think the more that people can just be gracious, be grateful for the things that we do have and the things that we are able to do and try to share whatever we can with others. Can you talk a little bit about how the Greater Clark Foundation has had to pivot over the past few months? Sure, sure. Well, like, you know, like many other organizations, I mean, we've certainly limited you know, things like our in-person meetings and our office hours and that sort of thing. 
more specifically, I would say we've taken a much more hands-on approach to how we work in the community. You know, we're not a service provider. And so we typically are working at a more like high level conceptual thinking or doing behind the scenes networking and connecting and trying to think about things systematically. And now we're in this role where on behalf of the public health department, we're coordinating all of the wraparound services in the community and really trying to help our community make the best possible decisions that we can given the information that we have at any point in time and also helping us prepare for the unexpected really so it's been a really I, I hate to use the word fun because that feels <laughs> that doesn't feel like the right word for this period that we're in but it's just been a really neat opportunity to work with all the community partners that um, that we know and love in a really different and I think hopefully more meaningful Meaningful way. Every guest I've had on the podcast has mentioned the wraparound meetings as mm-hmm. being something they really enjoyed or found inspiring or innovative. They all, every, like almost every single one, have talked about the wraparound team and just how important that's been to oh, them wow. during this. Oh, well, I'm so happy to hear that because we certainly, I would hate to think we were doing something that wasn't value added and I know how busy and stressed people are. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that that's been helpful. Is the wraparound meetings something that you hope to continue on maybe a smaller scale when the focus is less on COVID? Yeah, you know, out of any situation, good or bad, there are always things that we can learn and um, maybe unexpected benefits. And I think that the wraparound task force is one of those silver linings in that the way that many of us are working together is changing, or some of us have stepped into different roles, some of us are have new relationships with organizations that maybe we weren't previously working with. And that's something that we can build on. So I've heard from several people that they would like to continue that in some form, and we would certainly be happy to continue supporting it. I think it's incredibly important. And I think my sense is that there's a greater level of understanding of what it really takes to help make our community a place that provides equal opportunity for all people to thrive. It's not just one organization. It's not just one sector. It's a whole system. And anything that we can do to help make that system more effective, we're 100% behind. The studio has been able to make so many new connections from those wraparound teams that are so important to our pod and our ideas for the studio. It's actually really great having you all participate in that because I think it takes, I think it, 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 it's a much more expansive concept of the design studio and how, how the design studio really can enhance quality of life in a much, probably a much different way than a lot of folks might have thought about originally. So thank you for being part of that. Of course. Well, thank you for hosting them. What is the most innovative thing you have seen in your community since COVID? Gosh, I've seen so many innovative things. You know, early on, I just think about all the makers who quickly shifted to start putting together PPE, um, not just masks, but, you know, face shields and either ventilators or respiratory related equipment. Um, I think of the physician who created that shield when they're intubating people. I mean, that there's just been some really incredible, you know, local design. But I think we've also seen some really incredible uses of design in COVID that, that extend out beyond our local community, but have come back to benefit it. I think about the team at Better Block who created the plans for to help restaurants create open air markets so that they could continue to be in business. So many of the communities that have done these open streets initiatives so that people had access to more outdoor space and Again, that's another one of those things that I think will have staying power that a lot of communities 
have realized that we have an opportunity to reclaim our streets uh, for all people, not just for cars. And I would love to see that happen, you know, even here in Clark County, where we could also you know, reclaim our streets so that, again, you know, they're valuable for all people, similar to like we talked about when we were reading Happy City. Yeah, seeing the businesses in downtown put chairs out on the sidewalk or reclaim those parking spots as pedestrian yeah. use, um, whether it's here in Winchester or we've seen it in other cities like Indiana, it makes you wonder why in the first place we needed the parking spot because we can easily take them over and then how long this will stay. How long it will stay. And I, my hope is that it will stay for a lot longer than anyone's expecting. And that, because I think another one of the unanticipated benefits of this pandemic is that people are starting to reconnect on an individual level more, that people are hungry for some interpersonal uh, connection, you know, like so people want to, even if they can't be right beside each other, they still want to be in proximity to one another. And so this idea that people can share outdoor space just to be together, hopefully is going to start to create some more of those micro connections between people. I imagine for a lot of people too, it'll be a very long time before they feel comfortable dining with people outside of their family unit in mm -hmm. restaurants. I agree. I agree. Yeah. You know, something else that I just thought of, which may not seem like a design related response to COVID, but I, but I think it is. I think about how many businesses, and again, I'm, I'm going back to the wraparound services, how many nonprofits have had to change the way they provide their services so that they can meet their clients in a different way. And so I'm thinking about all the folks that took their summer camp activities directly to families instead of families having to come to them for summer camp or there was a group of folks working on housing and homelessness who were really worried about how we make sure we protect any any of our people who are unsheltered. And so the way that we created these outdoor showers and hand washing stations and things like that, you I know, mean, that's also a design. I think that kind of thing gets overlooked a lot. And, and actually, I almost overlooked it until <laughs> until this right now. So. How have you, has the Greater Clark Foundation had to increase their use of online platforms? Well, we've certainly increased our use of Zoom or WebEx or, you know, just video conferencing in general, um, which I think has been true for most people who are in a professional type of endeavor. I would say beyond that, we've tried to be judicious about expanding our use of online platforms. You know, we are using YouTube more to do things like storytelling as part of our environmental education project that we have in conjunction with creation of Legacy Grove Park. We have an AmeriCorps member who's an environmental educator every week. She does a story time and sometimes pairs it with a scavenger hunt or something else that a kid can do right in their own neighborhood. And so, you know, we've tried to utilize YouTube or Instagram or things like that. Outside of that, I think we're actually trying to limit how much we're doing on social media, partly because it seems like such a cluttered space right now and people seem overwhelmed. I mean, personally, I'm a little bit overwhelmed just by the amount of email, Facebook, everything else. So even though I want to be connected to people, I also feel overwhelmed at the same time. And I suspect I'm not alone in that. So we're trying to use the, just use some judgment about whether we're really adding value or whether we're just piling on because everyone else is doing it and trying not to just add noise to an already cluttered, you know, social media ecosystem. Because we just don't, we don't have enough followers to if, you know, if we had 1 million followers, it would be one thing we could really command that space, but we don't have that. So we, you know, we just try to add value if we're going to be putting something out into the social media universe. A common theme I'm hearing in your past two answers is that it's been really important to take things to the people 
And I think a lot of times we're used to sitting in our offices and I think this has really pushed us to think of how we can take things directly to the community, whether that's digital or physical and creating a more equal opportunity for everyone in the community ultimately. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's more empowering because we give, when we give people, when we meet people where they are, instead of expecting them to meet us where we are, it's empowering to whoever we're interacting with. I think it's also empowering to us because the encounter has better opportunity for success. I think that's been, it's an important part of providing any service to any human being at any point in time, but now it's especially important, I think. Yeah, and not only is it empowering for the person receiving it, I think we learn so much too as the person providing it. I agree. For our last question, I just want to know what is inspiring you or giving you hope right now? You know, we've mentioned that we've mentioned the wraparound task force and all of the partners that we work with in that group are incredibly inspiring. Again, anybody, anybody who's on the front line day in and day out is doing, I think, a a pretty thankless job in general. And now when you add the stress of the pandemic and then that makes, that creates stress among other people. Folks are finding really creative ways to work together to stay motivated. And I think that's, um, that's, it's just, it's really inspiring because it's a message about love of community. And, you know, I work in philanthropy and the word philanthropy, the roots of that are love of humanity. And I feel like during the pandemic, we're really seeing that love in action. And that's been really, really inspiring. So that's so kind of on a local level, I would say that. If I pull back and talk about some things that are inspiring me um, unexpectedly. I follow this storyteller and futurist named Janaya Khan, who is a, an activist and has been involved in the movement for racial equality. And she started doing these Sunday sermons at noon Pacific time to three o'clock our time. And that's been really inspiring because she focuses on all things solidarity. But what I love is that she really invites the listener to confront ourselves and to confront life. And she says something really early on that has just really stuck with me. She said, it's never too late to become the person you always thought you could be. And I just think that that is such a wonderful sentiment. It's never too late to become the person you always thought you could be because it creates this space for all of us to grow and evolve into the best versions of ourselves. And, you know, I think right now a lot of folks are contemplating, you know, what's the meaning of life and what's my purpose and who am I and what do I stand for? And I think, you know, that question about, or that statement about um, becoming the person we always thought we could be really creates the space for us to grow and change if we want to. And I just, that, that's a really inspiring sentiment to me. And it's been something that's been keeping me going on a personal level. Well, Jen, that leaves us at a great spot to sign off. Um, Thank you for your thoughtful comments on everything going on. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Always fun to chat with you. Thank you for having me. This episode of Six Questions with Sedek was recorded virtually.